You are tuned in to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Broussard, Louisiana. Let's catch up with Father Michael Delcom as he breaks open the readings for today. So I dislike, not to use the other word, I dislike scary movies. I may have told you this before. I just, I just don't like them. I don't like um, watching them because I don't know how to turn my brain off from seeing what I see or from thinking what I think when I see scary movies. Even though I know it's fake, um, regardless of whether I'm 43 years old or not, there's always a closet in the room. There's always underneath the bed. There's always some dark place where potentially someone could have snuck in and might be hiding. And I love my sleep. I like to sleep. I don't need to be thinking about those things or just letting them enter my brain. But some people love scary movies. My sister loves scary movies for whatever reason. Just like she knows it's fake, but she just likes the thrill and the anticipation and the excitement of what's going to be happening. I'm not sure where you are. Some people like scary movies. Um, I know a little bit before my day. Um, scary movie. The Exorcist. Like, I am not going to watch this movie. Like, no way. There's no way. I've heard horror stories. I've heard people, my parents talk about, man, when this movie came out, like people were anxious. They were nervous. They were all talking about it, but they couldn't stay away. They were all going to watch this movie, right? There's part about this movie that um, stirs up and highlights a fascination in people. I don't know about you, but most people are just fascinated with possession. They're fascinated with this idea that someone could be possessed. That someone could almost be controlled by someone else or at least their willpower, their ability to choose something that they want to choose could actually be impeded. There's just a fascination. I'm not sure if you're fascinated with that or not, but most people are when you talk to especially teenagers, their eyes light up. I want to hear what you have to say. Whether you're fascinated or not, what if I told you that today people in our world are still possessed. Might not surprise you. There's all kinds of stuff going on in our world. But what if I told you that there are some people in church today that are possessed? I heard some chuckling. You probably want to tell me it's about time you find out, Father, because I... I've been knowing this for a while. Hopefully, I can tell you some names of people. I saw them walk in. You need to do some healing on them. You need to bring out the oil. But what if I told you that maybe you were possessed and you didn't know about it? Would you be interested in having that conversation? When we talk about possession, what we want to talk about is anything that would keep me from freely choosing what I want. 
And I think in the, in the Christian journey, it's me freely being able to choose Jesus without reservation. Before we talk about possession, I want to talk about today's gospel because I think it will shed light on our conversation. In today's gospel, as you listened, it was in other gospels, it's the rich young man. Today, it's just the rich man. It says Jesus is going on a journey. So the gospel starts off with Jesus. He's going on a journey. We've heard him go on many journeys before. He's on a journey and he sees Peter and says, come follow me. And Peter drops his nets. He leaves everything and follows him. He sees James and John and says, come follow me. They drop everything and they follow him. They actually go to their dad and say, I'm leaving and follow him. He, he finds Matthew at the tax post and Matthew drops and leaves his tax post and follows him. So Jesus is going on another journey in our gospel and the rich man runs up in front of Jesus and it says he kneels down in front of him. He's stopping Jesus. Jesus, I want to talk to you about something. He kneels down and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? That's a that's a good desire, right? That's a holy desire. If our children would come up to us and say, Mom, I want heaven so bad. What do I need to do? Y'all would love it. This is a good, holy, beautiful thing. This young man wants to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, well, you know what the commandments say. Then he goes through the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. Honor your mother and father. He goes through all of these. And the young guy, if you listen, he's so excited. He says, Jesus, I have followed these since my youth. I've done all of those things. The anticipation is building. The excitement is building. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And says, there's one other thing you must do. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, this is the key. This is the key. This is, this is the, the life-changing moment of this young man's life. God is right before him. Jesus is going on a journey. He's has the potential to join Jesus on the journey. His life will never be the same. We know that Peter's life, John, James's life, Matthew's life was never the same. They became saints. He's in the same position. Jesus gives him an imperative, go and do this and come follow me. You will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it says this, he went away sad. He went away sad. Because of what? He had many possessions. Went away sad. Isn't that sad? That someone who is in the moment, who has every opportunity, Jesus is not holding anything from him. But Jesus is pointing to him that he has something that is holding him back from Jesus. Jesus is basically saying, come follow me. I want to give you everything, but there's something in your life that's keeping you from receiving everything I want to give you. Actually, in this case, his possessions were possessing him. I want us to see that. 
his possessions had a hold, had a stronghold on his heart. And his possessions were the one thing that's going to keep him from following Jesus, from fulfilling that desire in his heart. And as we talk about possession, I don't want us to get caught up in this idea, this, um, this strange idea that you know, we maybe read about or think about in the exorcism. I just want us to be aware that there are things in our life that tend to possess us. And if there's anything in our life that would keep us from giving our heart completely to Jesus, we need to be aware of them. And we need to be aware of what their intent is to keep us from being wholehearted. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. If there's anything in my life that's keeping me from that, it can be a potential tool to keep me from being completely all in. So this morning, what I want us to look at is some potential things that possess us. We may not look at them this way, but maybe after this morning, we might look at them in a different way. So I'm gonna put and talk about a couple of things that might possess us. It might not speak to all of you, but maybe one of them might speak to you particular. And as we kind of go through this list, I just want you to think about your own heart. And I want you to put yourself in the place of that young man as you are kneeling before Jesus. Jesus, I want more than anything to get to heaven. What must I do? If Jesus were to ask us to go and sell one thing, if Jesus were to ask us to give up one thing, what would that one thing be? Let's just enter into this conversation. First thing is wealth. It's easy because the, the rich young man, it's an easy transition. His possessions, his wealth was keeping him from the Lord. He just couldn't conceive of giving it up. Maybe he just worked really hard to get what he had. Maybe um, all of his possessions were handed on to him and he just couldn't conceive of a life of giving what he had away to other people. It consumed him. It definitely had a grip on his heart. He was not willing to give it up and I don't know about you, this may speak to you, maybe I want you to think about how much time do you spend thinking about, obsessing about, getting nervous or anxious about your 401k, the stock market, how many apps do you have just to check your, your stock, your portfolio, how often do you look at it during the day? How often do you, you watch the stock go up and down? How often do you think, how is this decision and this political decision going to affect my wealth? And, and maybe if you compared as much time or as much anxiety and worry that you have on a weekly, daily basis about your wealth compared to how much time you spend seeking and listening to the Lord and scripture and and praying, you might see that, wow, that's a disproportionate amount. Maybe this has a hold on me that I didn't realize. Maybe it, it does have a, a stronghold on me. Reputation. We might not look at this as something that could obsess us, but reputation. Do you ever think, what would they think? What would my friends think? What would my family think? What, 
What would other people think if I brought up Jesus in the conversation? What if I would start talking about my parish or if I would maybe start joining this small group and having this conversation? Would I lose some of my friends? Would people at work think I'm weird or I'm that holy person or... You know, I'm not really ready for that. And so I'm really not going to bring up my faith because I'm afraid they might ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. And so I'm just not ready to take that next step. Maybe my reputation is actually keeping me, preserving my reputation, keeping me from maybe taking that next step with the Lord. And the Lord's saying, I want you to love me more than you love anything in anyone, in anything of what they think of you. Control. Maybe I just like control. Maybe I love control. Maybe I need control. And if I think of that rich young man, if I put myself in his position and, and Jesus is saying, come follow me, and my response might be, well, where are we going? Well, when are we going to get there? Well, what are we going to do when we get there? Well, can I, what do I need to bring for us to get there? And Jesus says, just trust me. Just come follow me. It's going to be an adventure. Yeah, but I don't like adventure. I like to know where we're going and what we're doing and when we're doing. That's just a little too much trust in you, Jesus. I'm not ready for that, right? I want to have my ducks in a row. Maybe control is an obstacle and you never really realize that how much it has control over you. Second thing, pride or fourth thing, pride. I just don't like to be told what to do. I just don't like to be told what to do. And and I don't really like to ask for forgiveness. When it comes to Jesus, we're probably going to have to ask for forgiveness a lot. We're going to have to humble ourselves. And to be honest with you, Jesus, I... This is the best I got. Like, this is my moment. I'm on my knees. I'm asking you, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? I'm really not asking you to ask me to do anything. I'm just asking you to give it to me so I can be about my merry way. But Jesus is like, just come follow me. We'll learn. We'll work this thing out. Go go give away what you're holding on to. Well, Jesus, I think there's another way. Maybe when you're ready to hear about my way, Maybe we can sit down and talk about it. Maybe pride is is one of our obstacles. Are you guys with me? Maybe we haven't touched on the one thing that might be possessing you. Um, Hopefully we're all free here this morning. Fear of change. I know that doesn't speak to anybody here, but some people have a struggle with change. Jesus is like, come follow me. Go and sell what you have. Maybe I don't like change. Maybe you don't like change. Maybe you just like what's predictable. Maybe the fear of change might be keeping you from giving yourself more to the Lord. Unhealthy relationships. Maybe we have relationships in our life that we know are toxic, that we know are keeping us from the Lord. Maybe he's saying and has been saying to us for a while, give up this friendship. Cut this person out of your life. They're not healthy for you. This group of people, they're not healthy for you. Do you see that every time you're with these group of people, you go into an unhealthy behavior, a pattern that you don't want? Give it up. Tell them no. 
Maybe there's part of us that just doesn't want to give them up. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I, I'm, they've been with me for so long. I'm used to them. They're comfortable. I don't want to give them up. Unhealthy relationships can be a big obstacle that have a hold and stronghold on our heart. How about your job? Maybe your job is asking you to do something immoral, something that compromises your belief with Jesus and what he asks us to do. Maybe, maybe you've been thinking, you know, this is just not the place for me to grow. It's contradictory to what I want to be about. Maybe your time. We've talked about this before. I'm willing to give Jesus some of my time. I'm willing to carve out some time for Jesus, but I'm not really ready to give him my time. It's my time. It's my time. Maybe as he asks more of us, we realize that my time is more valuable than him. And I want to decide what I do with my time. That could be the case, but I really invite you to pray about that. Lifestyle. You know, maybe we think this, um, I have worked hard all of my life. I have sacrificed. I've given of myself. I have worked hard to put myself in a position where I can do the things that I do and go where I want to go, and no one is going to tell me any different. I've earned it. In fact, I'm entitled to it. No one has worked hard like me. My lifestyle and what I do is mine. And maybe Jesus is kind of pushing in on that. Hey, your lifestyle is not leading you in the right direction. You have no room for me. But we want to hold on more to our lifestyle than really to Jesus and to change. Almost their expectations we often have expectations of God that are not realistic. We want God to be someone that he's not. The young man goes to Jesus. This is so ironic. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's almost like eternal life, like heaven is Jesus's house. Jesus, what do I need to do to get your house? I'm not really interested in the fact that you might be in it. I just want your house so that I can enjoy it, regardless of whether you're in it or not. Comfort. Maybe we love our comfort more than following Jesus. Because Jesus says, it's so funny in the gospel, those who follow me and give up everything for my sake will inherit hundred times more now in this present age Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children in lands with persecutions and eternal life. That, uh, listen, can we just, can we edit that part of the gospel with persecutions? I love the two, the hundredfold. I love the more and the more and the more, but the idea of persecutions, I want to be comfortable and I'm just, maybe that's an obstacle, Right? Plans. I have my plans. In fact, I know the girl I'm going to marry. We're going to have three kids, two boys and a girl. Brick house, three bedroom. I know the neighborhood already picked it out. And maybe, maybe Jesus and what he's asking of you doesn't fit in your plans. 
And maybe the question, well, if you don't fit in my plans, am I going to choose my plans or am I going to choose you? Family. What is my family going to think of me if I change? Right? Inheritance. Sometimes I wonder if we don't think more about what we're going to get from our parents, what they're going to pass on to us, our money, or what we're going to pass on to our kids versus what is God going to pass on to me? And how am I going to pass my faith on to my kids? Our obsession with this world can often be an obstacle for what God wants to give us in eternal life. I just invite you to think about this, to pray about this. Because as we talk about possession and we talk about our possessions possessing us, very often in the Christian life, there is something that is keeping us from giving ourselves completely to the Lord. We would never want to think about it in such a drastic way. But ask yourself, if there was anything that I knew was keeping me from Jesus, would I not want to know about it? And if I knew about it, would I not want to do something about it? When someone's obsessed, they call in the priest, right? They have an exorcism. Exorcism means uh, to exercise, to cut out, to remove, to free the person from being controlled so that they could be free to choose Jesus. What I'm asking you to do this week is I want you to pray and identify one thing. One thing. At noon today, uh, on our social media, we're gonna, I'm going to put up an examination of conscience. I'm going to put all these words up there and a few questions for you to ask. I want you to pray this week about maybe the one thing that's keeping you from being completely free for the Lord. What would it look like if you and I prayed this week, if we were all eager to identify the one obstacle, the one thing keeping me from following Jesus on the journey. And perhaps we took it to prayer, or even better, we took it to the sacrament of reconciliation. And we said, Lord, I want you to cut this out. I want to be free to follow you. I don't want anything to keep me from you. What would it look like? What would our community look like if we were all seeking to remove one obstacle This week, I want you to pray about what's possessing you.